senator, while insisting he was not intoxicated, could not explain his nudity. I'm not normally a praying man, but if you're up there, please save me, Superman! Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've caught me doing. Welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlife podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. And this is episode 13. I, I ain't got a title yet. <laughs> <laughs> this is auspicious. Yeah, well, uh, things have been screwed up, obviously. We, we missed a week, and, and we're a day late even on this, and we missed a week because we went to... Uh, went to the Ar- Arcade Classic Museum at Which Fun Spot awesome. in New Hampshire uh, last weekend, and yeah, spent three days... Uh, well, I spent three days getting my ass kicked at Pac-Man. Oh, and, uh, and Tempest. And te- <laughs> I got destroyed at Tempest. That's the problem with growing up in the 80s. You remember these games, and I distinctly remember being better at them than I actually am. I have no illusions that I was any better as a child. I, I, I've gotten better at my number one game, Pole Position 2. Well, um, yeah, your number one game. That's <laughs> We walked game. in the place, <laughs> and they'd rearrange stuff. And you and Amanda made a beeline to where pole position is. Nearly and there was, had an anxiety attack. Yeah, there was a big gap, and it was, oh, Jesus, no. I, I, was, I, I was prepared to be very sad. I, I, I swear you would have said, you know, if we just want to punt the second night at the hotel, <laughs> and just head home and play Forza. I like Forza. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that's that's a cool thing about the place. It's every time we go, and we go once a year or every six months or something. Some of the games are broken, other ones are working. So yeah, this time Tempest was working, and I had to relearn that I've always sucked at Tempest. We've <laughs> always been at war with Tempest, and we're always <laughs> losing at Tempest. Those goddamn flippers. I know why they call them that because I shot the fucking bird at that screen more <laughs> often than I do it. Passing children. I had a brief and shining moment where I actually got my initials on Centipede, which I don't think has ever happened in my life. Centipede's a bitch. I was never any good at Centipede. But I also discovered that um, being 40-something and having arthritic elbows does not equal long-term success (laughs) at Centipede. Yeah. I mean, Jesus, don't try Missile Command with, like, the four-pound trackball. (laughs) You have both your fucking arms in slings right now. (laughs) Yeah. I, uh... I swear to God, I have distinct memories of being 12 and kicking ass at Donkey Kong, and that is just clearly not the case. I <laughs> you tried really hard. I instinctively went into that cross-handed grip, which I read about in a book when I was, yeah, 11 or 12, and distinctly remember just rocking Donkey Kong at, and I was just decimated on the first <laughs> level. It's like I wasn't even there. I was, you will not see me in the King of Kong 2. <laughs> and it's much harder, because I've clearly... You know, I'm six feet tall. I was not when I was twelve. You know, bent over with the cross hand grip. It feels like, it feels like you're in a prison shower, waiting, awaiting the inevitable. And that's how the game treated me. I have to believe that part of why I've become like extra enamored of pole position too in my later years is because they've got one of the sit down cabinets for it, so I don't have to do anything other than sit. It does and help pump to, tokens into the machine to, to plant your ass <laughs> at it, and, and it helps having. A middle-aged person's job to have the tokens just ram feed the thing because I took. A I nice... will get you this time, Fuji Track. <laughs> yeah, I took a nice rest in the uh, the Spy Hunter machine, and I <laughs> sucked so bad at it. I think I plugged a mortgage payment into it to sit for twenty minutes. 
I now hate the Peter Gunn theme because <laughs> in my head it's like this. Dun 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 dun. Dun 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 dun. Can't I even get the oil slick? I vaguely remember getting the oil slick when I was a young lad. Mommy, is that man dead? <laughs> he, he's not dead. He's cursing too loudly. What's that smell, Mommy? <laughs> oh, and the Crazy Climber machine. I was psyched. I was like Crazy Climber as a kid because it was like Spider-Man. And you go there, and like I said, sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. Only the left joystick worked. <laughs> so I'm clawing myself up the side of the building <laughs> with only my left arm. And as soon as somebody shows up with a flower pot, it's it does not help to yell at the screen, hey, you, shoo, they, they, <laughs> the eight bits don't give a shit. And the inevitable sad moment with Gauntlet 2. Like, all right, well, we're stuck on the screen here, and Valkyrie needs food badly. And everybody needs food badly, because <laughs> we suck. But. And, yeah, that was... And I had really bad pinball experiences this time. I I had no luck at the pinball. Oh, God. I've never been good at pinball. I'm awesome at Marvel pinball on the Xbox, which is because, not really pinball. Yeah, they jack up the <laughs> physics on it, and yeah, once it's real pinball, and since these are physical pinball machines, again in various sets of repair, the number of times you know you plug in your token, it's like oh, the left flipper only goes halfway up, and whatever motherfucker invented the outlane on pinball that you can't even do anything about. Yeah, like, well, sort of rotting. tilting the machine because then if you tilt the machine, you get eighty six from the club, so it's. <laughs> Oh yeah, and the problem is I'm I'm too weak and soft to pick the machine up to <laughs> tilt the fucking steel ball. I'm more than happy to cram my hips into it and give it some English, but I, I then what am I going to do with the rest of my weekend? See, I, I can't do that ever since Robot Chicken. <laughs> that robot that bangs the. I just feel filthy about it. Yeah, you bitch, get- mommy. What's that man doing? <laughs> uh, what's fin- that smell? Yeah. <laughs> He's finishing. <laughs> He's finishing up. Is he dying? <laughs> <laughs> the little death? That's what the... Uh, all right. Okay. Wait. Although there was one interesting pinball uh, machine. That they had the Hercules game. Which that was kind of awesome. That was the new. largest pinball game ever made. Yeah, and I had better luck at that. I mean, the thing is, and I, I wrote about this, uh, and I'll, I'll put a link to the, the little write-up I did when we came back, but... It's big enough to bury a fat man in. It's true. You know, the pinball is actually a cue ball from a pool table. Yes. And every time it hits a bumper, the floor shakes like the yeah. like the T Rex is walking outside. But what worked for me was since it wasn't a steel surface, it was wood on the wooden deck. Yep. The ball moved slower, so it was a little bit easier for me to keep track of it. But there's no way. You're not putting English on that thing without no. explosives. Yeah. It's, it yeah. is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> and you can sleep under it. It provides shelter from the rain. Well, <laughs> again, that's why it's nice to be middle-aged. You go back to the hotel and drink some beer and watch the Red Sox lose. and <laughs> you know, Wake up to go play more video games like a 12-year-old next to it. It really brings back your childhood. Yeah. Well, also, it, it sort of drove home for me that um, if my mom had really wanted to solve the issue with my obsession with video games just give me 72 hours straight and all the tokens i want i'll get sick of it for a while anyway i'll get it out of my system no by about hour 40 you're having a seizure and they take (laughs) you away to have a nice break and a a sip of saline solution in your arm and a couple of drugs and they can start over fresh 
This Believe me, I did plenty of all-nighters with Atari, because unlike you, I had Atari as a kid. And yeah, That's true. You're not all that good by the time the sun comes up. That's you're- true. If I if I had had access to it on a 24-7 basis, I would have just become a, a worse junkie. <laughs> yeah, but see, it's that deprivation that makes it a nice trip. You know, we always go in the off-season, so you know, it's up in Laconia. So we don't certainly don't go to our bike week or... Then the Lake Winnipesaukee's up there, so we don't have to deal with anybody. You can get into restaurants. So they all suck, but you can get into them. <laughs> well, there was one that was okay. It was... Yeah, there's a, everywhere in the world has a decent breakfast place. Uh, I've never been anywhere that has just... We've been to two places with pizza. How do you fuck up pizza that badly? I don't know. What did Bill Hicks say? You don't boil pizza? Yeah. <laughs> They're boiling pizza in Winnipesaukee, but <laughs> yeah, after... Eight hours of working that. Well, what do they got up there? Boiling pizza and tipping cows. Like, yeah, pretty much. Uh, and it doesn't matter. After eight hours of working that big missile command trackball, you'll eat anything put in front of you. That's true. That's how you know you're middle-aged. I played video <laughs> games all day. I'm fucking exhausted. I need a man's meal. <laughs> Ooh, hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> it's the kind of man's meal I get. <laughs> no, the hot dog. Yeah, you got that hot dog with the... Nacho cheese sauce. Fluorescent cheese sauce that came prepackaged in a tub. It, it was glorious. You're lucky you didn't wind up in the goddamn hospital. <laughs> I might be irradiated now. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, let me know if you have superpowers. Don't try from the roof, for Christ's sake. What, I'm going to have the powers of a proportionate to a hot dog? Like, what? <laughs> what does make, that even mean? I'll make <laughs> you shit yourself and you shit yourself. Look, I can roll. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! So, so yeah, that screwed us up uh, last week, and then by the time we, you know, were able to say, okay, we should do a show, it's like uh, the new comics are coming out. So, and uh, home office mascot Parker really wasn't about to let us do anything other than stay within his sight. Oh uh, yeah, it was the first time he was left alone for a couple of days with a cat sitter. So. As it is right now, he's outside the door meowing frantically and trying to claw his way in. He's unhappy, but it, he's had most most of the access to us, so it's not quite as bad as when we came back. Yeah, but he gets separation anxiety, but that's why I'm upgrading all our equipment, so hopefully... Because i got to imagine it'd be depressing as hell to <laughs> put on a comics and pop culture podcast and just hear this kitten meowing piteously <laughs> on the other side of a door. So Yeah, nobody wants that. So, and yeah, some stuff came up this weekend, so we're daylight, but um, you know, for we're this here. week, yep, <laughs> uh, we are here, and the big thing that we did last week um, that's at least of some pop culture interest, <laughs> you know, beyond the heavy drinking and the screaming at passersby, which yes. happens constantly, but... Uh, My lawn, get off it! Yeah, but we saw, uh, well, at the time it was a preview and it was a big deal, but at this point, everybody's seen Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yes. Um, I mean... I, I generally liked it. It had some problems when we start out. I I enjoyed it while I was watching it. I it was a good movie to turn your brain off and just kind of go. In a lot of ways, it was yeah, like cotton candy. It's certain parts of it. I don't think even five days later. I mean, have really the director's stuck. name Michael Webb. Uh, yeah, Mike Webb. I think. Uh, I I believe he described this as his my uh his. Mike Bay. Um, <laughs> yeah, because that's, <laughs> that's what every filmmaker should aspire but, to. But, you know, in retrospect, it makes sense because it was, it was a visually pleasing movie and there was a lot of action and explosions. So in that sense, it was very Bay-like. 
Yeah. Um, but also, I think in terms of um, whoever it was that designed the costumes and the st- and the styles for the characters, they did a nice job in terms of Gwen Stacy looks like Gwen Stacy. Um, oh yeah, I mean she wore that outfit. Yeah, the, the outfit. outfit. And, but we're we're gonna spoil the living shit out of this. So Gwen Stacy dies. What? <laughs> I think I went to take a leak. She, what? <laughs> and and there's probably no hope of little spider babies with Norman Osborn because he also dies. Oh. Norman Osborn <laughs> dies in this movie, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's a, well, it's a comic book. You don't see a body. Although here's the thing. All right, in this movie, apparently Harry Osborn um, has some crippling degenerative disease that not only makes him extra emo. Um, <laughs> It also causes, like, uber psoriasis, which is going to devolve into the shakes and not because of, like, the drug overdose he had in the comic book, but just because it's some sort of crippling degenerative disease. And he comes to the conclusion that the only thing that can save him is transfusion of spider blood um, because of not science. But <laughs> well, it, it was on the magic USB drive, so it must be true. It was on the magic USB drive, yes. Um However, um, when he takes, he, when he finally gets a hold of what's left of the spider venom that his dad had been making in the previous movie, or having had made for him in the previous movie, yep. um, it causes some sort of awful physical reaction, which turns him into the Green Goblin. Oh no! Spoilers <laughs> that we warned you about. Yeah, um, <clears throat> which involves you know some awful rictus grin and. Um, more bony emo heroin chicness and um, his nails grow out <laughs> and he gets weird kind of pointy ears. It's like, it's like inject for cosplay, I guess. But yeah, <laughs> um, it's, but the, the nails are what got me cause it occurred to I mean, I know they were kind of making his dad kind of Howard Huey. <laughs> Howard Huey. You know, Howard Hughes. That's not a thing. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, he's, he, he, you know, your eyes will adjust to the light. So he's in this dim room and he's clearly unkempt and not hygienic because he's been living in this bed because he's dying. Yeah. But he had these really grown out nails, which again, which is where I think the Howard Hughes thing is supposed to play in. But it, the more I think about it, I wonder if there had been some attempt to use the the, uh, the Parker serum venom stuff. Yeah, which probably makes sense because he certainly had a greenish Hugh, uh-huh. uh-huh. when we saw him, <laughs> and that was not an attempt at a shitty pun. <laughs> Believe me, I could do a much better <laughs> shitty pun than that. He looked fucking green. What do you want me to say? Fistful <laughs> of green, episode thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we can go with that. What the fuck? We'll see how things go, but we'll we'll call that an early front runner. Okay, but, but, but it was it's just a thought. I mean, yeah, it's it. I can totally see that. It's very possible. I hadn't really made the connection. Because frankly, when you started on this particular topic, I was thinking, well, yeah, shit. Why didn't Norman you know, start Don't screeching so. from the rafters and <laughs> cackling like somebody was tickling his prostate? Maybe he did. Maybe and then they just chalked it up to uh, Norman's being Norman yep. again. Crazy Norman. First, oh, he, Normie. first he collected his pee in a jar <laughs> and now he's clawing at the walls and gnawing at the doorknob. At least he doesn't want to make an airplane out of balsa wood anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh. Oh, special projects. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, before we get into anything particularly negative or anything, 
I think Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man and the writing of Spider-Man himself in costume, this is the best of the five movies so yes. far. It was a wisecracking, personable Spider-Man who always had a joke and seemed like he was having fun being Spider-Man. We had to find a British guy to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think Tobey Maguire was a kick-ass Peter Parker. Yeah. But I think Sam Raimi... Yeah, as good as Spider-Man 2 is, 1 and 3 don't really hold up, but uh, really focused on Peter, and yeah, Spider-Man was there, and he got the visual look of it, but there was never a sense of, uh, there were some senses of, you know, wow, this is fun, but the wisecracking. Yeah, there's there's a, a clear sense of how awesome is my life as, as Spider-Man that you yeah. get off of Andrew Garfield's portrayal. Which was always the big part, particularly in the early days of the comic. Yeah, Peter Parker's life was shit. Yeah. You know, his uncle died and his aunt is sick and there's no money and he can't get laid and he can't make, you know, he has to work for J. Jonah Jameson. But by God, he's a confident, in-control guy as Spider-Man. When Spider-Man, when when Peter Parker is Spider-Man, his shit's tight, yo. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) He's... Word to your mom's here to drop by. I don't feel comfortable <laughs> in this territory. I'm a middle-aged white man, for Christ's sake. Shit's tight, yo. We won't get fooled again. Now we're back on my turf. Teenage wasteland. All right. And as you're bringing up J. Jonah Jameson, can I just say I really liked how Webb handled um, the non-casting of Jameson. Oh, yeah, just a quick email of wrong. Yeah. But you know what? I also think it was important based on how it was written that we not have Jameson in this because there was very much a sense that the public at large liked Spider-Man. You know, they did see him as a symbol and yeah, if you've got, you know, what amounts to the New York daily news saying threat or menace everywhere, that's a little harder to sell. Yes. But I think it was better for the Spider-Man character in this to be, yeah, have a public he can play off of and feel comfortable to get more of that, you know, hey, I'm having a good time doing this, yeah. and, and I have a mission beyond kicking somebody's ass. And I think <clears throat> the other littler pieces, like there was a nice nod to, I think we see someone who could potentially be a black cat, Felicia, uh, Harry's attache, secretary, whatever. Yeah, I think she's flat out going to be the black cat. Um, it was nice to see that. Um, I, I really continue to like um, Sally Field's portrayal of Aunt May. Oh, God, that scene where he was asking about his father. Yeah. That was the best emotionally packed scene in the movie, even beyond Gwen Stacy getting killed. She dies. Rob, she dies. She dies, Rob. I must have missed it. (laughs) Did this happen in the comic? I don't... (laughs) I think so. Oh, Easter egg. (laughs) Easter egg. Somebody on Reddit pointed this out in the, uh, the thread where they talk about it. That if you look at the time on the clock tower right after Gwen dies, it's um, right around 121, 122, which are the issues that Gwen died in during the comics. I did not notice that. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Because <laughs> I have read that Webb flat out from the first movie said, this this is the story I want to tell. So it's cool that Jerry Conway gets a nice name check on that. Yes. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> Probably didn't get a goddamn nickel, but... <laughs> I think good thoughts. Yeah, well, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that scene between Sally Field and uh, Andrew Garfield, which packed with uh, 
I don't want to say I got chills, but it's like, okay, yep, I'm buying this, and it makes sense. She would react this way, and he would react this way. Yeah. That was a killer scene. And um, and it was a nice, uh, I hesitate to say that it's a throwaway scene, but it was a nice moment when we see her working the hospital the night of, of the calamity, where she steps up and she's no longer, you know, kind of frail Aunt May who's home. Not that she has ever been really frail as a character in yeah. this iteration, but you know, she she steps up. Well, my my speculation on that is it puts her in a position for her to learn that Peter's Spider-Man in the next one. Because one thing I think has worked in both uh, this and The Amazing Spider-Man 1 was that Gwen just knows, so he has somebody to talk about. Right. Yes, it's not canonic from the early days of Spider-Man, but having the ability to talk about it out of the costume with somebody... Yeah, I think brings stuff into sharper relief. It allows them to talk about feelings and ideas, whereas you know, if it's got to be a secret, you know, you can't really do a thought balloon, right? Yeah, no matter what the electric company had me believe when I was a child. Well, and also, you know, in this day and age, you're not having some sort of you know Hamlet Shakespearean like soliloquy off to the side to the audience. Oh, if only people understood my pain. <laughs> Alas, poor Norman. I didn't know him at all. He, he died screaming. <laughs> Alas, poor Harry. I knew him. Um, yeah. Electro. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and the visuals of Spider-Man in action. I mean, yeah, there were some. It's like, all right, clearly this is all CGI, and you know, it's an ass-kicking cutscene from a video game. But I generally like the look of it. It was dynamic. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah, captured what I always figured Spider-Man would be like. In actual motion. Yes. Uh, the chemistry between Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone. Well, I mean, they're bumping, they're ugly. they're bumping uglies in real life. So one would hope there'd be chemistry there. One but, would hope, but, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, they were killer. That's going to be something they're going to have to find a way to get over in the next one. You know, whoever they have inevitably cast as Mary Jane or if they go straight They had to... a Mary Jane who got cut from this. I wonder if they're going to go with her for the next one or if they're going to try to... Yeah. Because that's some big shoes to step into. The chemistry that those two put on screen is really, you know... Yeah. So, and I forget the name of the actress. It was in... I think she's off the table now because wasn't she in Divergent? Uh, yes. Shirlene Woodley. Shirlene Woodley. Yeah, something like that. Um, if only I had a device it connected to the internet. Yeah, but in the meantime, yeah, those were the good things about it, and they were good enough. I enjoyed it. I'll definitely get it on Blu-ray. Yeah. Otherwise, god damn it, it had some problems. It had some problems, like the magically appearing Electro costume. Suddenly, he's got a... And, and when we were talking about this with the guys over at the comic book store, somebody said, oh no, that was one of Norman's designs, and... You know, they, they teased that earlier, but we didn't see him go find it. We don't know how Harry had access to special projects because he didn't get access to special projects until they got the lawyer, and he's already got the outfit on when they go after the lawyer. Look, I'm willing to buy the costume just because the thing that got me was, okay, he can become electricity and move around and reform himself, and apparently his underpants, <laughs> too. <laughs> So Magical fine. underpants. Yeah, Maybe so if he's he, a Mormon. So, so if he could... <laughs> uh, he, he want to get a sued? Anyway. <laughs> so yeah, if he could do that, fine. And it's certainly not the, the first movie where it's just, hey, somebody suddenly has a costume. True. But Electro as a whole, 
I think, like Spider-Man 3, they tried to do too much with too many villains. Yes. Electro, from a storytelling standpoint, had to be there because if you're going to bring up Harry Osborn basically from nothing to become the Green Goblin, Spider-Man needs somebody to punch on in Act 1. Otherwise, it's yeah, yeah the Peter Parker soap opera for an hour and a half. Which I thought was going to be Rhino, but then they saved him until the end. It, and I don't think you needed both. I think... You could have had Electro or you could have had Rhino. Well, I, I think Rhino was only there as a tease to her. You know, everybody's talking about they're going to do a Sinister Six movie. Um, and that's the only reason you cast somebody like Paul Giamatti is to yeah, you know, tease him as, yep, this is going to be something bigger later on. Uh, the problem I had was knowing that Rhino was going to be there. It gets to be an hour, 45 minutes oh. in the movie. I'm like, Jesus. Where the hell is Giamatti? <laughs> Jesus Christ. How long is this fucking thing? Because they got to introduce him. And yeah, in the end, it's basically a cameo at the end. Yeah. But uh, so, yeah, Electro had to be there. I, I don't think he was necessarily written very well. Uh, I don't think Jamie Foxx. I-, I thought he was okay. Well, I thought he was a cartoon character before the accident happened like he's he's a caricature of a nerd it, it yeah like in the worst way and it it makes it hard you're supposed to be sympathetic towards him but really you're just like dude i'd push you in the street too it's just <laughs> yeah it's uh, is he supposed to be autistic is he supposed to be no nah, he's just a gork like he's <laughs> yeah he's just you know that guy who gets pushed around, and oh, they they stole my designs, and well, I'll get yeah, you it, someday. And a lot of the <laughs> motivations just were not sold or introduced well to me. Like he suddenly decides he's going to fight and hate Spider-Man, yeah, because he got his face on the screens in Times Square, and then they went away. Nothing early on said he was a guy who was burning for public recognition. No, he wanted to be Spidey's buddy. Yeah. It's with the way Spider-Man was trying to talk him down and you know, I suppose, okay, he's far enough gone with 50,000 volts running through his junk. I'd probably be <laughs> distracted from the fact it was a sniper who shot at me as opposed to Spider-Man. But uh, yeah, that whole motivation and they tried to get tricky with it, mm-hmm. with the soundtrack and, you know, oh, maybe these are voices in his head. Instead, it was just a really fucking distracting soundtrack to me in that. Is that right? Yeah. People are talking over the music, and so I just—I didn't buy him. I recognize he had to be there. You need somebody to beat on until Green Goblin shows up. Yeah, and then oh, Harry's like, "Oh, I relate to you. I've been thrown away too." Okay. (laughs) Yeah, and and Harry's disease that came from out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. Dad saying, you know, oh, it was around my age when it started showing up. Well, Dad lived to a ripe old age of old enough to grow his fingernails out. You know, was it the disease? Which was a style choice. Yeah, was it the d- disease that once you speak its name, it starts to <laughs> eat you like flesh-eating bacteria? Harry, it's herpes. It's I got it when I was your age. It's herpes complex. <laughs> I told you to stay away from 7th Avenue Park. You shouldn't have put it in that supermodel, Harry. <laughs> but, um... <clears throat> it, so yeah, I was just suddenly okay. Oh, you're dying, and you're dying right fucking now, and there's no hope. Yeah, and you know, the Spider-Man's blood thing, I can buy that based on okay, he discovered the spider venom was part of it. He didn't think any of the venom was around. I didn't buy how Spider-Man then tried to deal with it 
It's, yeah, I'm going to show up in costume and tell you, nope, I'm just not going to give it to you. Yeah, really, you should just blow him off at that point. Well, have the common decency to lie to him. No, he Paul, no show. He doesn't <laughs> know who you are. It's like, you know, I gave myself powers with my super science, and I tried to give them to a monkey, and he shit himself and got Ebola. And <laughs> you don't want this blood, brother. Every time I cut myself shaving, the sink falls through the floor. If I eat chili, my asshole explodes. Lie to him. Spin it out. <laughs> Come up with a have the common decency to bullshit the guy. He's fucking dying. Instead, it's just like, nope. And now you've made a mortal enemy of a billionaire with unlimited fucking resources. That's a genius plan. That's you why know, the he, old Parker luck is he's a fucking retard. That's why Peter Parker graduated second in his class. If he would have bothered to freaking ask when, yeah, <laughs> true. probably would have said, no, you're not going to do that. And here's why, uh, dumbass. Yeah, <laughs> Gwen has access to the computers. Let me just slip a couple test results in there, saying, oh yeah, we found a drop of Spider-Man's blood, and it, it well, made that's a the grown other piece man. Too. Like, if I'm Harry, okay, the the impulsivity of youth is overriding the dumbass. If you just wait, he's going to bleed somewhere. Yeah. It's the Amanda Waller Batman thing. Like you leave your blood everywhere, Bruce. Yeah, he'll like, leave. He'll <laughs> leave DNA somewhere. Yeah. I mean, we should have seen him. Yeah, scraping up webbing. Like, <laughs> like I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is like the first few movies, and it's and it's a symbol for ejaculate of some sort. Uh. But instead, just you know, hey, Peter, and you know, he had to have access to the research that showed that Peter's father was part of it. Instead, he's drilling him about Spider-Man, just like, hey, Peter, you have anything of your father's? Oh, a briefcase, you say. Well, yeah. And then, huh, Aunt May, what do you mean the house has been burgled? Like, <laughs> anyway, can I just say, I, I do not give a tin shit about Peter Parker's parents. I, I don't think I ever cared about their story as a kid. I never wondered where they are. Well, I, I think it's stuff that they're they're trying to adapt from Ultimate Spider-Man. Um, because, as I recall, the his dad's lab work played a, a greater role in Bendis' run of Ultimate Spider-Man. Uh, yeah, he was involved with Venom, if I'm remembering yeah. right. But, Which was supposed to be a cancer cure. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I see where it came from, but I don't care. <laughs> and in this, making it, you know, oh, I introduced my own DNA, it, it really just it, it makes Peter feel predetermined to be Spider-Man and... Yeah. yeah I, I read this somewhere, and As I don't As opposed rem- to if the thing had bitten him and his, his dad's DNA wasn't already part of it, we'd already have, like, you know, uh, Green Goblin Mark One. Oh, yeah. Like- <laughs> He'd have been gnawing at Gwen Stacy's ankles <laughs> while his fingernails grew. And- hey, Gwen, I got something to show you. <laughs> but but and, uh, I, I read this somewhere, and I can't remember where, but part of the appeal of Spider-Man is he could be anybody. Yeah. He was in the wrong place at the wrong time and this thing happened to him and he made a conscious decision with great power. And by having it be, oh no, it only could have been Peter, it makes it a little Jesus-y to me. Yeah. You know, and God knows it's not the first time, you know, in Raimi's Spider-Man 2, the Jesus Christ pose across the <laughs> across the subway, That that's much more of a kick in the balls, you know. <laughs> huh? Huh? <laughs> hey, hey, dummy, hey. <laughs> Get the visual, huh? <laughs> but, so yeah, that whole, I pray that for Spider-Man 3, we're done with the greater Parker family beyond Aunt May. Maybe, but probably not. Probably not. Because, you know, they've got a whole, you know, 
uh, what is it, the, the Secret Six or Sinister Six? Sinister, Sinister Six. Six. Secret Six is, Gail is DC. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but, yeah, Sinister Sinister Six. <laughs> yeah, that's one I just don't know how they're... Uh, well, I'm hearing that's going to get its own spinoff to franchise itself. Which is fine, but they're all... It's, it's not even intimated. It's flat out shown. They're all going to come from Oscorp yeah. for some reason. So the solution is to nuke Oscorp from orbit because it's the only way to be sure. It's the only way to be sure. <laughs> and I, I suppose I can buy, oh, here are, here are all these military armor suits that were created, except I, I certainly have never worked on anything for the military, but I imagine if I was given a check for a billion dollars to come up with weapon systems and I said, here's my... Vulture suit <laughs> and my rhinoceros suit. I, I, I call this my octopus. I would be auditing the CEO's <laughs> computers for signs of bestiality porn. It said, these are not military weapons. You have a filthy secret and cut your fucking fingernails. I don't understand. <laughs> How do you type like that? <laughs> well, tell me, Dragon, naturally speaking. No. <laughs> so, I mean, if they do a Sinister Six movie... Number one, how are they going to do it? Is it going to be a Spider-Man movie? Because a movie about just six bad guys who are ready-made, who yep. the origin story is, hey, hire people to put in these suits. I can't think of a worse Doc Ock origin, for Christ's sake. Yeah, because that was the one thing that Raimi got right. Yeah. Like, you don't... Well, two things. He got he got uh, J. John Jameson right, and he got Doc Ock right. Yeah, so... But it, there's got to be somebody for them to fight. Otherwise, yeah, that's a Michael Bay Transformers movie. You know, yes. six robot people busting up New York. Get Marky Mark on the phone. Yeah, and, <laughs> no, do not get Marky Mark on the phone, for, for Christ's sake. He, he, he's from here. You can have him. It's, it's all good. I don't feel the vibration. But you will. I, I will not. When the rhino me. puts his foot down, you will. <laughs> you shuddered. That, well, it goes right back to bestiality. That sounds like sounds like one of those, uh, yeah, bestiality stories on... Fist of the Rhino. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> Episode the, 13. Like, come for Bigfoot. That's a fucking... <laughs> when the Rhino puts his foot down. The only thing worse is when the Rhino puts his foot up. Now you're on Amazon for $2, making $50,000 In the day. embrace of the Rhino. Oh, yeah. The, picked up by the Vulture. <laughs> Craven the Pussy Hunter. Yeah. <laughs> That is, if that is not already some triple X adult parody of a Spider-Man movie, it will be. Oh, believe me, Axel Braun is somewhere already pre-shooting the. <laughs> it, it'll be the sex sexual six. Oh, yeah, but <laughs> this is a worse fucking tangent we've ever been on. We've we've gone down some holes, but oh Jesus, I just said that, didn't I? Son you of did. a bitch. Holes. But. <laughs> but so, yeah, I mean, the movie, it had some problems. Seeing where they're going to go with Sinister Six, I mean, it, it, almost, it has to be a Spider-Man movie. Sony doesn't have any of the other characters. Right. So, all right, is that going to be Amazing Spider-Man 3? Nobody knows. Why am I asking you? Like, <laughs> like Mark Webb's returning your calls. I oh, think, wait, wait, Rob, no, wait, let me let me check my DMs. On... <laughs> yeah, believe me, if he ever hears this podcast, it's like, oh, really? Jesus. For I those people? I have to deal with fuck armor? That's what this is. this all is? 
Yeah, I'm firing the production designer. All right, and, and what's a Mr. Fierce, and does he work for Beyonce? Like, um, <laughs> uh, No, he was, uh, as I recall, and I don't remember if it was in the Ultimates, or he, he had something to do with the bringing together of the Sinister uh, Six. Okay. But yeah, I don't remember exactly. Okay, he's not like the Purple Man or some random... No. Okay. Mr. Fierce. Well, that's what they called him in the movie, Mr. Yeah, Fierce. Yeah, yeah, and it's actually Fierce, like F-I-E-R. Yeah, it sounded like Fierce. Yeah, but... So, ah. so, yeah, I mean, the movie had problems, but they absolutely got Spider-Man right. You know, that, and, yeah, when Gwen Stacy hits, it was a good interpretation of that scene. Yes. It's never going to, yeah, and at least they visually checked the George Washington Bridge, even though that's not where it happened. So yep. th- there was enough of it. Yeah, so it, it got the elements right. There, there, there was one moment, though, when, when Harry has his realization that Peter Parker is Spider-Man, when, when Gwen is in the background, and he's suddenly looking from one to the other, like, Gwen couldn't possibly be sleeping with both of them. Oh, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, as a reveal, it was decent enough shorthand to get to the fact that the Green Goblin has to know who Spider-Man is. Yeah. Um, yeah, that just seemed a little pat and quick. And yeah, it's the Green Goblin was rushed, you oh. know, for his arch villain who kills his first love. He just sort of suddenly shoots up and OK, now I'm a bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think, uh, uh, what's the actor's name? Dane DeHaan? Yes, that... Dean DeHaan. Dean De... Yeah, he. I thought he was you know, really good as Harry Osborn. He had a different stupid fucking haircut than Harry Osborn, but oh, stupid, stupid enough. It, was, it wasn't like a quite full-on Bieber, but... Yeah, but Bieber-ish, yeah. know, with a touch of please beat me up in the locker room. Yeah, yeah. But the point is he had stupid hair, and, and that was good enough. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but... Yeah, and he did the best he could with this suddenly truncated, you know, I'm home, my dad's dead, I'm sick, I hate Spider-Man, now I'm a bad guy, arc. I can't be a good example. I should be a horrible warning, at least. Yeah, (laughs) so, but again, structurally, you got to have Electro there. Spider-Man needs somebody to fight. Yep. You know, and therefore, if you're going to have that, then you have to truncate Green Goblin, you know, and, and it was... A legitimate storytelling choice that I think gave short shrift to both of them. Yes. And none of it made Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man any worse. That alone is worth seeing the movie. And I'll I'll definitely pick it up on Blu-ray. It made me want to see the first one again. And when I saw the first one, I was like, eh, that was okay. Yeah, it was it was it was fine. It was I this was much better. Yep. So. Although, off the top of your head, would you say the first Amazing Spider-Man better or worse than the second Raimi Spider-Man? Oh, second Raimi Spider-Man is vastly better than the first Amazing Spider-Man. So how would you rank them? Uh, probably Raimi Spider-Man 2, then Amazing Spider-Man 2, then Amazing Spider-Man 1. Frankly, and I'll probably get stomped on for this, Spider-Man 3, and then the first Spider-Man. The first Spider-Man has some of the clunkiest, most awful fucking dialogue. (laughs) I will forgive the stupid dancing scene. I would rather watch that a hundred times than Peter telling Mary Jane, no, well, Spider-Man told me. It's just (laughs) horrible fucking dialogue in that movie. He he got certain senses of it right, 
And certainly the first time I saw it, it was like, yep, that's how Spider-Man should move. I got it on DVD, and I think I tried to watch it one time, and I'm like, oh, Jesus, i got to fast-forward through huge chunks of this. I think I'd be inclined to agree with your rankings, um, if only because I like Thomas Hayden Church, and I think he got short shrift um, in his attempt at Sandman. Yeah, and no, for the he, same reasons as as what made it difficult to get behind Jamie Foxx in this movie, it's like you you can't have that many villains and hope anything good comes of the storyline. Well, yeah, everybody gets truncated and everybody gets sort of half-assed motivations. I I really like Thomas Hayden Church as an actor, going back to Wings. Yeah, but. <laughs> You know, Jesus and Spider-Man 3, my daughter! Yeah, I got it. Okay, yeah, your daughter needs some pills. What about your daughter now? I wasn't sure. I didn't catch it the first yeah. eight times. <laughs> so, <laughs> and even that, he, he had a motivation. Yeah. I'm going to do crimes to make money to save my daughter, as opposed to Electro, which was... Um, Be my hey, friend. I'm, yeah, you're, <laughs> you, I thought you were my friend, and you're not, and... And kill. And kill, yeah. <laughs> so. All right, so that was The Amazing Spider-Man 2. <laughs> yep, and uh, the other. Fistful of Rhino. Fistful of Rhino. <laughs> and... <laughs> yeah, all right, so that's the new front runner. <laughs> Makes Fistful of Green look. <laughs> look like come for Bigfoot. <laughs> but... I'll leave it up to you. You're the one that's putting this up later. <laughs> yeah. If you don't recognize the come for Bigfoot, Google it. Just Not from work. It. Don't Google it from work. <laughs> Please don't Google it. From yeah, work. but but uh, all right. So the other kind of big, big in the sense it it made mainstream press. You know, like some of the Marvel DC uh, announcements occasionally do. Uh, Marvel has announced they're gonna kill Wolverine. Yep, they're gonna kill him dead. We'll certainly never see Wolverine again. By God. <sighs> so. First they came for his healing factor, and I said nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's it's been an ongoing story in Paul Jenkins' couple of series that you yes. know, he's lost his healing factor, and he's been trying to be effective without it. Um, and, yeah, now we're sort of reaching the end game where it's being taken away from Paul Jenkins, or Paul Jenkins can't do it. I'm still not 100% on it. And Charles Sewell, who is... Uh, Certainly a good writer. I've enjoyed you know, Thunderbolts generally. I think oh, it yeah. started out rocky, but it's been pretty good recently. Um, but a character, uh, a writer who really doesn't have a history with the character writing what, what for any character is one of the biggest stories you can do. Not that it's... It, it, do we have any proof that the, the story that Soul's going to write isn't just Wolverine finds his own story in Origins 2 by Jeff Loeb and then just kills himself? <laughs> I have no proof one way or the other. It may or not happen, but... It's like, Sabretooth, again! <sighs> yeah. <laughs> but... <laughs> that was that was from the Harry Curie thing. Yeah, because that really shows up in radio. <laughs> Maybe you'd like to do a pantomime of some form or sort. Can I? Yeah, interpretive dance. I'm in a box. Can you tell? If you keep doing this, one of us is going to be in a box. <laughs> I'm walking against the wind. <laughs> but... Uh, First of all, and and I'm looking at the Hollywood Reporter, Marvel teases the death of Wolverine and, you know, Mike Mart saying, you know, we're not messing around and it's going to affect everything. We all know that's bullshit. Wolverine's not going to stay dead any more than anybody else. Well, 
all right. So we've got teenage Jean Grey kicking around who probably won't get off by the Shi'ar this time. Um, so now she's sort of back in play. So that, so that means Wolverine has to die now. Like, yeah. <laughs> always together, forever apart. What is this, Lady Hawk? Like, <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Don't you name check Lady Hawk here ever again. <laughs> I demand equal time for war games if that's the road we're going to go down. If you can connect it to Wolverine, by all means, have at it. <laughs> Shall we play? Oh, never mind. Um, <laughs> but yeah. The old joke was always the only people who stay dead in comics are Uncle Bucky ben. Barnes, Uncle Ben, and Jason Todd. Two out of the three of them are alive. And in Spider-Man yeah. 700, where Peter Parker died, spoiler alert, he's alive again suddenly. Um, Just in time for his movie. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah. So Wolverine will stay dead for just as long as it takes to have the next Wolverine movie, uh, I'm guessing. Very possibly. I don't know if there's another flat-out Wolverine movie in the pipeline. But... I think I had read something to the effect that there will be at least one more instance in which um, Hugh Jackman will take on the role, and then he's thinking he's done after that. Yeah, at the very least, X-Men Apocalypse yeah. is already pre-greenlit. So... So, and that may be what he's talking about. Yeah, so one way or the other, he'll be back in the movies. They're not going to leave Wolverine dead. I've got... This is the problem with the local comic store where they know me by name and take my polls extremely literally as they have to. I told them Wolverine once. I get got to be five Wolverine books a month. Right now there's Wolverine, Wolverine Max. At one point there was Wolverine Savage Origins. Wolverine. I'm getting Origins 2. You know, as a house cleaning to maybe get it down to one Wolverine title, I'm good with this, but... Nobody who even remotely reads comics thinks he's going to die. Nobody who's predisposed to read comics who sees these stories and realizes just in the last two years, I mean, since our website's been active, yeah. Bucky has died again. That lasted two months? Yeah, that sounds uh, right. In fear itself. Thor was killed. I think that lasted an issue. Yep. Um. Spider-Man was killed. That lasted 16 months. Yep. Uh, anybody else off the top of your head? Oh. I'm sure we're missing some because they whack them in comics every day now. In DC, they don't kill them as much. They chop arms off. <laughs> arms are chopped off every couple of... Wasn't there an arm chopped off in uh, Future's End? Yes, I think there was. Yeah. There At was. least Superman was missing an arm. But we'll, we'll get to that in we'll, a few we'll get minutes. To, uh, there, yeah, she's... Um, well, I mean, you and I were talking about this in terms of uh, who, who got icked. Like, Constantine wasn't technically icked. He was just put out to pasture um, so that they could reboot him as younger and more battle wizardy. Um, yeah. May as well be dead. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, who else? I, mean, I think you named everybody. Well, I mean, Jesus, in D.C., uh, nobody believed it, but they said right at the beginning of Forever Evil, oh, the Justice League's dead. Yeah. Yeah. Justice League's dead. They Oh, they brought Wally West back. He was never dead. He was just sort yeah. of forgotten until I think Dan DiDio was tired of people like me shrieking at him from convention microphones. Uh, Wally Stephanie West, Stephanie Brown. Brown. Yeah, Wonder Girl will be next. Bring back Cassandra Kane. <laughs> Yeah, well, <laughs> you can bring back anybody, but yeah, Wonder Girl, so that she can tell Cassie Sandsmark to put on a sweater, <laughs> cover that shit up. <laughs> Nobody's gonna take you seriously. <laughs> Superheroes don't nip slip. 
I mean, not since Liefeld. <laughs> Rob Liefeld, by the way, hated The Amazing Spider-Man 2. There's a whole thing between him and Eric Larson that's sort of a... Yeah. Larson loved it, and everything Larson loved about it, uh, Liefeld hated. I, I, I quote great Boston comedian DJ Hazard, you cannot imagine the enormity <laughs> of the fuck I do not give. Well, the question is, if, if anybody had bothered to give Spider-Man even one pouch, would Liefeld have enjoyed it anymore? <laughs> Liefeld was probably distracted because it occurs to me the fact he's not working on a superhero named Nip Slip is baffling <laughs> to me. Rob, buddy, get on it. You're, you're leaving money on the fucking table, champ. Anyway. Wow. <laughs> but, yeah, well, so Wolverine, I I don't know. I We were talking about this a little bit the other night. I, and Did we really need a definitive canonical origins story? Do we need a definitive canonical character death? I, well, the problem is, it's comics. There is no canonical character death. They get killed and come back. Yeah. You know, Captain America's been killed twice. You know, he was thought dead in World War II. He took a bullet in the chest uh, after Civil War. Yep. Same thing with Bucky Barnes. Uh, there is no final story for any of these characters. Now, with that said, for a while, Marvel was doing... And for all I know, they still are uh, sort of the end stories, which they sort of yeah. hinted as uh, these, if we ever were to get there, would be the final end, end story of these characters. Yeah, I don't know that he got one. Did he get one? Because they had an Old Man Logan story. Yeah, they had Old Man Logan, which yeah. I don't think was part of the was, end. Yeah. Um, but it, it, frankly, I found that entertaining. I don't oh, yeah. generally like Mark Millar's. He's very hit or miss for me. But yeah. I, I like that one. But... What what I found with the end stuff that they did was they got character they got writers rather and creators that were really invested and had a history with the character and let them spin it out. Right. Uh, Punisher the end was Garth Ennis. Yep. Uh, Daredevil Under Days, which was fucking killer, was Brian Michael Bendis and David Mack. Yep. Uh, the Hulk the end, Peter David. So you get people, you give them, you're out of continuity. You have a history of this character. Uh, which is why with this, you know, okay, Charles Sewell, Sewell, perfectly okay writer. Chris Claremont can come back to reboot Nightcrawler, but he can't come back to, to write the end of Wolverine? Yeah, well, if I had to hazard a guess on that, Claremont has his own ideas of how Wolverine started and ended. That's part of why he left X-Men in the early 90s yeah. was because Barry Windsor Smith did Weapon X, which I just reread actually this morning because uh, I knew we were going to talk, talk about, about this. this yeah. Um, that's still killer and leaves enough of Logan's history before this singular event that gave him the adamantium uh, up in the air and mysterious that it really didn't affect anything beyond this one event. Uh, I partially read it because of that, and I partially read it because Wolverine Origin is such a pile of pig shit. I don't <laughs> care if I ever read it again. It's it, It's not... You're right. That origin is something I didn't need to know. And I think uh, for as iconic a character, frankly, we didn't need an origin for Wolverine. Mm. But I mean, that's a, a whole different conversation to have. Uh, my point uh, that I was going to get to was, yeah, with these Marvel The End stories, it really felt like somebody cared and was really trying to 
you know, this is important to me that if I could write the end story, this is what I would come up with. Wasn't there a Spider-Man one also? Oh, yeah, that's where, 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 where... uh, Spider-Man Reign by Carr yeah. Andrews where uh, Spider-Man gave Mary Jane, Jane uterine cancer, cancer <laughs> with his radioactive goop. <laughs> so it was very good art, but oh, God, yeah, that one two-page, I can still see it, you know, <laughs> while I was holding you, loving you. It's a, no, you, you dropped your gack and killed her, and it's a visual I never needed. And I don't know why I have to think about this. What the hell? Because Carrie Andrews didn't want to carry that burden alone. Yeah, that's, that's and I think that's part of why that didn't work for me. Car Andrews had no history with Spider-Man beyond maybe doing some art that I'm aware of. I'm certainly not utterly versed in everything the man's done. He did Ultimate Spider-Man covers uh, for the new Ultimate Spider-Man yes. for a while. But, yeah, it was when you get just some dude getting the assignment, there's certainly going to be a certain amount of passion because, great, I get to do this final story, but it, it's not the same. And Charles Sewell it feels like he got the assignment. You know, People feel yeah. like he did well with uh, inhumanity uh which he got when uh fraction left the matt fraction left the project yep so this it doesn't feel like a story that fucking matters at all it feels like editorial edict at a bunch of yeah. retreats somebody at, the very had least, the, you know, they should have given it back to jason aaron or so, and nothing against charles sewell it's just that if you're going to give the the death of a character to someone it should be a character writer who has history with it well and don't do it in continuity because nobody fucking buys it the, the yeah. end you know i, I want to say the end series it was their sort of one shots whenever somebody came up with it the end franchise uh, okay <laughs> we'll go with that but it felt like it had some weight to it because at least in theory yeah this is the last story yeah yeah you do it in continuity nobody fucking believes it you're not gonna leave wolverine dead oh, yeah then why don't you just throw your money in the god and throw your money at me <laughs> you know, Rob, invent the superhero. Trust me, I can't write. You're chucking your money in the toilet. Yeah, we, Wolverine's not going to stay dead longer than, you're right, two years. He'll show up in X-Men or they'll put another Wolverine movie in the development and they'll come back. Uh, and because of that and because it feels like an editorial edict that was come up with on a flowchart or a whiteboard on a timeline, uh, it was assigned to somebody, it, it really it it doesn't feel like it. To me, it doesn't feel well, it like it like matters. It feels like they're just sort of banging around. It's like, all right, Peter Parker was dead for 16 months. All right, now we're bringing him back. Who's going to be? Who's going to lie fallow for the next 12 to 16 months? Yeah. Okay, Wolverine gets his shot. Then after that, Cyclops? No, nobody cares about Cyclops. Okay. Oh, kill Cyclops. Fuck it. I'll kill Cyclops. <laughs> Put me in the book. So I'm figuring the next one will probably be Daredevil. Like the, that, That'll be the next one. Um, yeah, but uh, with Daredevil end of days, they may stay away from that since that was so recent. Possibly, possibly. But, you know, the, they killed Peter Parker and Superior Spider-Man was way up on the, the sales charts for, for months. Well, and that's the other thing. What, you know, what are they going to replace it with? It was a, it was a cool gimmick to get people to read, you well, know, Spider-Rock. Even that, and I, I think it dragged on for for longer than I wanted, but that was a singular vision of a creator who'd been working on Spider-Man for a long time. And it wasn't about killing Peter Parker. Right. It was about... Well, what exploring if, what if? Yeah, yeah, what if we did this? You know, what if Spider-Man had no sense of, you know, real sense of responsibility? So it was an interesting vision. It required Peter Parker to air quotes die to get to it. 
Well, when you have something, a, a character who is, for all intents and purposes, a sociopath, and so, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. If they don't feel responsibility to begin with, can they learn that? <laughs> yeah. So it, it was an interesting premise. It wasn't about the death of the character. That really felt like a side thing. And I. Although that, that you know, we were talking about you know, who's dead. I'm guessing Doc Ock is dead for now, right? Yeah, but uh, nobody thinks he's going to be dead anymore. And probably either. not. He's probably uploaded into his like little spider bot Oc things. Yeah, we, we've already seen personality <laughs> being uploaded into those bots. Yeah, he's got a backup someplace. Yeah. You know, Spider-Man, they wouldn't clone anybody in Spider-Man, so that's not going to be a solution. But... <laughs> so, yeah, we'll we'll see Doc Ock again. We'll see Doc Ock again in guaranteed before Sinister, Sinister Six. Six. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, this, yeah, and I don't know what Sewell has in mind for it. He may have a kick-ass idea. But it doesn't feel like it has any any real weight to it because you know he's going to come back. Well, and also there's... And it doesn't feel like anybody... It feels like this came top down. We're killing Wolverine so we can do these books and get some press. And well, he's going to come back. And because of that, yeah, it really doesn't feel weighty to me. And it's a shame because you can only do something like this once every... Eh, 20 years. Well, I mean, March says they're going to fully explore Wolverine's mortality, what that means to him, what that means to the X-Men, blur, blur. Jason Aaron sent him to hell three years ago. Yeah, but you nowhere in this article the, do Alonso or March definitively say that he is going to be killed. It says three months to die. Die could mean a lot of things. Die could mean, you know what, I'm walking off into the wilderness and I'll be back in time for old man Logan. Yeah, I I suppose. Although die is a word that does have a particular definition in the English language. Yeah, but yeah, so Wolverine could be dying. Logan could be walking off into the sunset. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're putting far more literary work into this than than either Marvel uh, editor in chief Axel Alonso or Mike Bartz put into it. All I know is that like what the, this is this is April 2014. This is supposed to um, be wrapped up, and he's supposed to be dead by September. October? Uh, sure. So we'll probably see him the following October, if not December. <laughs> yeah, it's just in general, they've so many superheroes have just been killed and brought back in the last few years. It's because we were talking about, yeah, Gwen Stacy and Norman Osborn yesterday. Mm -hmm. And those had weight because back in 74, 75, when it happened, you know, Gwen Stacy was killed. Gwen Stacy never came back. Right. Norman Osborn was killed. Norman Osborn was dead for 20-something years and only came back after that because they wrote themselves into a corner with a clone saga and had yep. to find a way out of it. No, it was nobody's intention to bring him back. It had weight because it lasted for a while. You know, yeah, I think Thor died in Fear Itself 6 or 7 and came back in 7.1, 7.2. It's... You're killing them to go, oh, Jesus, they killed well, whoever. I think they, they, do they end up killing Valkyrie and Fearless only to bring her back for Defenders? Like, <laughs> It's possible. I kind of tuned out for Fearless because Fear itself too. really didn't do anything for me. I did me. too. Because so, event fatigue. Yeah, yes. and Valkyrie is not a character I ever had any particular... Well, she's, she's only ever a placeholder for Thor. It's just how it is. Yeah, but... So, I mean, we're... Killing these heroes and bringing them back, and it's something you can only do once in a once in a great while. Yeah, are they wasting the death of Wolverine? 
Probably. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I, I don't know what they do with it. I don't think anybody who's read a comic book in their adult life think this is going to stick. Uh, then again, the death threats that Dan Slott got. You killed Peter Parker. Well, no thinking person really thought that. <sighs> but. If you don't like the direction that a storyline takes, don't read it. Yeah. And and you know what? Those books that you liked, they're still there. Go back and reread them. Oh, yeah. these It will always cycle out. Wolverine will be back. It won't be a different guy. It'll be... Maybe make it a different guy. I don't know. Somebody mysterious again. I don't know. They're, they're, they're running his son, James Howlett, in Ultimate X-Men or Ultimate Wolverine or whatever. I don't read that. I don't I don't want to read that character. I want Logan. So... Yeah, well, it'll it'll be logan again yeah there's too much it, these are these aren't characters anymore they're intellectual property yeah then they will keep intellectual property viable from here until the gates of hell in the meantime if i don't like how this goes i there's nothing to stop me from reading the claremont miller wolverine over and over again until the story goes in a direction that i want to read yeah <laughs> yeah if they were going to do this they really uh, the only name that makes sense is they should have given it to Chris Claremont. Yeah. It's the only way it would carry weight. At least then, n still nobody would think it was permanent. Right. But people would think, okay, they care enough about this, they want to give the guy who really turned Wolverine from you know, a bad guy in Hulk into one of Marvel's biggest characters. Right. Yeah, give him his shot to, to tell the final story. And again, nothing against Charles Sewell. Everything I've read from him, you know, I generally like. It just it feels like oh, shit. We got this big black spot on the publishing schedule. Uh, all right, uh, who can we plug into it? We don't seem to have an event happening right now. Oh wait, let's do something with Wolverine. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I'm, I'm not. I, I I have no hopes or expectations from it. I will read it. Like I said, Wolverine is on my pulls. I get all the books, and I'm sure I will get the Wolverine Reborn. Reorigins, origin again, <laughs> weapon origin. <laughs> the Dark Wolverine. No, wait, we had that. Yeah, we had that. <laughs> Wolf origin. Oof. <laughs> I'm I'm tired. I'm gonna need a beer soon. <laughs> Give me a break. So I don't know. It just feels that the combination of so many goddamn superhero deaths that mean nothing because they're you know, no more permanent than a fart in a hurricane. Yeah, this just feels like okay. We found a new way to get on the cover of the Hollywood Reporter again. Let's <laughs> let's kill him. You really want to get on the cover? Of USA all? Today is going to run with it, guys. Yeah, it's so you really want to get on the cover of USA Today? Taze Rob Life. <laughs> <laughs> the trial. I'll go to the trial. Uh, I'll DVR it. <laughs> uh, yeah, because <laughs> the look on his face. <laughs> I, I want to see him on television the way God intended, without feet. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. All right, so. All right, we're at the, about the hour mark. Yeah, all right. <laughs> so why don't we talk about at least uh, one comic book? If we're going to talk about one comic book, then I, we've been talking about Jason Aaron. Sitting at the top of this pile here is Southern Bastards okay. by Jason Aaron and Jason Latour, who are both, this is supposed to be sort of their their love letter to the South. They're both uh, Southern boys. Yep. 
and they're they're writing this to work through their issues and to express their love. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and I enjoyed this immensely. Um, it's uh, number one was out last week. It's it's out from Image. Yep, it's another uh, creator owned. Yep. So I mean, how can you not love a book that just opens up with a dog taking a shit? On the side of the road. That certainly got my attention. As soon as I opened it up, I showed that to you. <laughs> right next to a whole bunch of like religious like signposts for various churches. Yeah. So what are you trying to say, sirs? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, this is this is kind of tricky for us because we're uh, we're we're northern. We're Yankees. Yeah. We're uh, I've lived almost my entire life in New England. You've lived your entire life in New England. I've lived my entire life in the Northeast. Um, I lived in upstate New York for a couple of years, but otherwise all New England. I've, I've lived in deepest, darkest Massachusetts because there is a section of it that is not Boston. <laughs> what? I know. It's it's, not... it's it's called West of 495. Get the fuck out. <laughs> you might as well talk about Narnia. <laughs> Doesn't matter. If you're from West of 495 and somebody where, asks you where you're from, you say, you say Boston. Boston. That's just how it is. <laughs> how do I know this? I lived abroad for a while. Yeah. So this book worked for me on a, a couple of levels because... Not being from the South, you know, if you're up here, you have uh, a preconception of how the South is. Yes. Um, and what you preconceive is, yeah, churches everywhere and rednecks and meth users and... Pickles they make with Kool-Aid, apparently. I saw that on some show once. Elton Brown made me see it. Yeah. So, <laughs> and so all those preconceptions are there. Um and Aaron does something clever in that all those preconceptions, they're clearly, they're other than the hero. Right. The hero is more straight up cowboy type, which well, is the, the other. The hero is the boy who left town and didn't expect to have to come back and doesn't want to stay. Yeah. And, but he's a cowboy archetype, which yeah. granted up here, you think that more Southwest, but it, it's more of a Southern thing than, you know, we certainly never had cowboys. If you see a cowboy up here, you can follow him to the nearest gay bar. That's just how it is. <laughs> but so, yeah, you've got this one character that is the other stereotypical strong, silent type. This is not me. I will intervene in some of these horrible situations and terrible people. And it's going to turn around and bite him in the ass. You know, you can already see sort of a Gary Cooper high noon. Yeah. Me against the against the bad guy in this town where everybody is either corrupt or too afraid to intervene. Well, and they set up that his dad had been the sheriff and that he was a man who often took the law into his own hands and that the town was okay with it because somebody had to do something. Yep. Um, and it, they're sort of setting up that this this guy is potentially going to go down the same path. Yeah, and, and with the character having left town and coming back, you've got sort of the, you know, potential oozy coward from from a high noon I, I really got a high noon vibe off of it with a hundred percent more scumbags pissing in the street and dogs crapping next to church signs <laughs> um but yeah it, it feels like a western you know set in the kind of south that you know makes that i could picture on my head that makes me nervous when i go visit my folks who have retired to the gulf coast of florida yeah there's you don't often think of Florida as being part of the South until you realize that it is totally part of the South. <laughs> yeah, uh, I am extremely <laughs> polite when I speak to anybody in Florida. It, it, it's because of 
preconceptions. You know, I'm sure in the South we're preconceived of as you know, liberal dilettante elitists. And maybe with our attitude about, oh, well, this is what we think the South is, maybe there's a certain amount of truth to it. <laughs> I don't know. I'm a jabbering alcoholic who stumbles through the street. I'm about as elitist as Coors Light, but... <laughs> I, I, I wish I had a better... I, I, I can't necessarily challenge their preconceptions. Um... But by by giving those preconceptions, it, it it plays into, okay, these are the bad guys. We get this is the good guy. It's going to be very much a good versus evil with townspeople interaction, so it's got a very... Yeah, Western kind of feel. Uh, the art is a little bit sketch-like. Yep. Um, yeah, certainly not you know, fine line and and detailed. So it, it really worked for a sort of. You it's know, well, and, this and, is a kind of not an area, not a place that is beautiful or awesome to look at or be in. Well, and there's a very um, clear palette that um, skews to browns and reds, which, you know, sets tone for the underlying kind of dirtiness of this town and, and the violence. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I thought it was a, a really good start for a potential modern day Western with real scumbags and the. Uh, the one good cop who's not a cop, but <laughs> it's just, and it might be an interesting take because it's the one good cop who's going to clean up this town and he doesn't want to be in this fucking town. The faster he can get out of it. That was the one thing. I, I can be in and out in three days and he has one interaction with the locals. He's like, I think I'm going to make it two days. It's like in the back of his mind, he might be Dante. I'm not even supposed to be here today. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Dante was killed at the end of course in the beginning. That's maybe not the best thing. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I've loved Jason Aaron's superhero stuff, um, with the exception of Thor, and that's not Jason Aaron's fault. I just don't give a shit about Thor. Yeah. But, uh, and I liked, I have yet to finish uh, Scalped. Yeah. I got the first few volumes and said, all right, I'm going to do this in trades and just haven't caught up with them yet. But uh, really like that. So, so yeah, as a creator-owned, non-superhero, get the the feel of an area and set up lines quickly and you know to give you it's an archetypal enough beginning i get a sense of where it's going yeah. that's the kind of story i like so if you're yeah, looking I really for something it. that's a, an alternative to capes and cowls and that isn't coming from one of the big two yeah um it's it's definitely worth giving it your your three dollars and fifty cents <laughs> yep i definitely enjoyed it and so there <laughs> all right <laughs> So yeah, and just one last quick thing: we we're gonna talk about DC Comics free comic book day offering futures end. Um, and I will only say this: uh, I I liked it when it was the background to DC Universe Online and the background yeah. to Injustice Gods Among Us and the background to the Omac story from a few years ago. Uh, it is very much a Retread. oh, in the future Superman turns bad and the heroes are causing mayhem and how do we fix this just feels like something that has been told over and over again yeah it's it, it's one of those things where you read it through once like if you're me and you're like oh all right well this is interesting except that that yeah then you realize that you've already read this story and even to a certain degree um in the lemire snyder swamp thing animal man thing like 
you know, with, they had a whole storyline with the rot controlling people. Yeah. Brother Eye is no different. It's the same idea. So yes. We just had this story in multiple iterations. Yeah. It's, it, it just feels like, yep, okay, seen it. Seen it a lot. Seen it a lot recently. Just didn't do a lot for me. Yeah. By God, I read that a few times and thought about it so we could talk about this. I was at least going to get it in that's, for a couple that's seconds. That's fine. That's so. fine. But I think that's really all we need to say. All right. It. So, yeah. And I, I think we both pretty much agree. And I think that's all we have for, for this week, unless you can think of anything. Uh, Batman Eternal. Uh, Stephanie Brown's parents hate her. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, you're going to get us killed at Comic-Con this year. All right. Let's just leave that at that. Um, all right. So, uh, yep, this has been uh, the Crisis on Infinite pu- Midlives. <laughs> Crisis on Infinite Midlives show, episode 13, The Fist of Rhino, Fisting Green. Fist of the Rhino. Fist of, <laughs> we'll go with the Fist of <laughs> Come for Rhino. No, we'll go with the Fist Jesus. of the Rhino. Um, oh. So, uh, Come for Rhino, stay for the green. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> This has been the Crisis on Infinite Midlives podcast, episode 13, The Fist of Rhino. <laughs> Thank you for listening. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. And Derp. <laughs> Jesus wept. We'll never get on iTunes now. <laughs>